Chapter Twenty Five of Brigands of the Moon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Amy Graymore. Brigands of the Moon by Ray Cummings. Chapter Twenty Five. Not Wilkes, but Coniston. His drawling British voice. You, Greg Haljan, how nice. His voice broke off as he jerked his arm from me. My hand with the projector came up, but with a sweeping blow he struck my wrist. The weapon dropped to the rocks. I fought instinctively those first moments. My mind was whirling with the shock of surprise. This was not Wilkes, but the brigand Coniston. It was an eerie combat. He swayed, shoving, kicking, wrestling. His holder on my middle shut off the errant circulation. The warning buzz rang in my ears, to mingle with the rasp of his curses. I flung him off, and my errant's motors recovered. He staggered away, but in a great leap came at me. I was taller, heavier, and far stronger than Coniston, but I found him crafty, and where I was awkward in handling my lightness, he seemed more skillfully agile. I became aware that we were on the twenty-foot square grid of the observatory platform. It had a low metal railing. We surged against it. I caught a dizzying glimpse of the abyss, then it receded as we bounced the other way, and then we fell to the grid. His helmet bashed against mine, striking as though butting with the side of his head to puncture my visor panel. His gloved fingers were clutching at my throat. As we regained our feet, I flung him off and bounded like a diver headfirst into him. He went backward, but skillfully kept his feet under him, gripped me again, and shoved me. I was tottering at the head of the staircase, falling, but I clutched at him. We fell some twenty or thirty feet to the next lower spider landing. The impact must have dazed us both. I recall my vague idea that we must have fallen down the cliff. My air shut off, then it came again. The roaring in my ears was still. My head cleared, and I found that we were on the landing, fighting. He presently broke away from me, bounded to the summit with me after him. In the close confines of the suit, I was bathed in sweat and gasping. I had no thought to increase the oxygen control. I could not find it, or would not operate. I realized that I was fighting sluggishly, almost aimlessly. But so was Coniston. It seemed dreamlike, a phantasmagoria of blows and staggering steps, a nightmare with only the horrible vision of his goggled helmet always before my eyes. It seemed that we were rolling on the ground back on the summit. The unshadowed earthlight was clear and bright. The abyss beside me, Coniston rolling, was now on top, now under me, trying to shove me over the brink. It was all like a dream, as though I were asleep, dreaming that I did not have enough air. I strove to keep my senses. He was struggling to roll me over the brink. God, that would not do. But I was so tired, one could not fight without oxygen. I suddenly knew that I had shaken him off and gained my feet. He rose swaying. He was as tired, confused, as nearly asphyxiated as I. The brink of the abyss was behind us. I lunged, desperately shoving, avoiding his clutch. He went over and fell soundlessly, his body whirling end over end down into the shadows far below. I drew back. My senses faded as I sank panting to the rocks. But with inactivity my heart quieted, my respiration slowed, the errant circulation gained on my poisoned air, it purified. That blessed oxygen! My head cleared, strength came, I felt better. Coniston had fallen to his death. I was victor. I went to the brink cautiously, for I was still dizzy. I could see, far down there on the crater floor, a little patch of earthlight in which a mashed human figure was lying. I staggered back again. A moment or two must have passed while I stood there on the summit, with my senses clearing and my strength renewed, as the bloodstream cleared in my veins. I was victor. Coniston was dead. I saw now, down on the lower staircase below the camp ledge, 
Another goggled figure lying huddled. That was Wilkes, no doubt. Coniston had probably caught him there, surprised him, killed him. My attention, as I stood gazing, went down to the camp buildings. Another figure was outside. It bounded along the ledge, reached the foot of the stairs at the top of which I was standing. With agile leaps it came mounting at me. Another brigand. Miko? No, it was not large enough to be Miko. I was still confused. I thought of Han, but that was absurd. Han was in the wreck of the planet Terra. One of the stewards, then? The figure came up the staircase recklessly to assail me. I took a step backward, bracing myself to receive this new antagonist, and then I looked further down and saw Miko. Unquestionably he, for there was no mistaking his giant figure. He was down on the camp ledge, running toward the foot of the stairs. I thought of my revolver. I turned to try and find it. I was aware that the first of my assailants was at the stairhead. I swung back to see what this oncoming brigand was doing. He was on the summit. With a sailing leap he launched for me. I could have bounded away, but with a last look to locate my revolver, I braced myself for the shock. The figure hit me. It was small and light in my clutching arms. I recall I saw that Mika was halfway up the stairs. I gripped my assailant. The audiophone contact brought a voice. "'Greg, is it you?' It was Anita. End of chapter 25